Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, hello. Hello, good morning. Hi, good to see you. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. You guys okay? All right. Thanks for being here this morning. We're going we're gonna to invite our ushers to, to come forward uh, to give an offering. Um, guys, I, if, if, you can, if you can just wait for a second uh, before, we, before we pass those along. There's just been stuff going on with the offering. I want to I, I share a quick story with you guys. Um, a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, uh, we had kind of an update here sharing with you all that, you know, we were just, we were in a tough spot with things related to COVID and just, you know, things haven't been the same since coming back, trying to get back to meeting in person and just that we were in a, a spot where we were struggling with some things and that we were going to have to cut budgets in a lot of different places and and basically, um, I, I had agreed that I was going to be taking a pay cut, um, and I, w- I was just all good with that. I had peace. I had peace about it. And I felt like everything was going to be fine. And so as soon as I said that I was going to take a pay cut, um, we started experiencing favor uh, in my family's life and in the life of the church. And um, I didn't have a chance to take the pay cut um, we, we've had, because some of you people in this room donated thousands of dollars. And I just, I don't understand it, and I don't know how to say thank you, and I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> but just that, that you believe in this place and... Uh, the work that, that God is doing here and, and around this neighborhood, and it's just super meaningful. And, uh, and so then this morning I showed up, and there was a, an envelope on my desk with my name on it, and it had a letter in it that I just want to read to you. It says, Ryan, you, your staff, and members are doing great things in this community. Through your commitment to God and service to others following the example of Jesus, we've been blessed this year, and we want to share those blessings with your church so that you can further your mission to serve God and your community. We've enclosed a Thanksgiving gift of $15,000, and we commit to a reoccurring gift of $1,000 per month for the year of 2022. We send this gift and pledge for next year to encourage you and your staff and your members in your continuing ministry to serve God and your fellow man. Uh, and we say, and we say yes and amen. And I just, I'm, I, read, I read it this morning. I was, I was, I was shaking. I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna tell anybody this until we have this. Oh my gosh. Praise God. And so, Lord, we say thank you. We say thank you that 
um, when we pray a, a prayer of uh, help us through this, you answer with favor and blessing and glory and more than we could ever ask or imagine. Uh, we're just praying that you would keep, uh, j- j- we, want, we want you to bless us more so that we can bless other people. If we don't bless other people, if we don't bless strangers, if we don't bless uh, those who don't know that they're loved by you, then uh, don't bless us, Lord. I thank you that um, you, just, you just keep being good to us. We praise you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, we're going to pass these things along. And uh, if you would like to give an offering and just be, uh, what I'll say is right now you have an opportunity to join in something that <laughs> I don't want to sound weird. There's some favor that is beginning to happen right now. Um, and I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm trying to figure it out. We're going to talk about it a little bit today. Um, and so let's jump in. Let's jump in. I heard a, uh, so I, I guess I'm going to do, I'll do announcements at the end of the service. So anybody watching or, or wondering if I'm, I'll do them at the end. It'll be okay. All right, we're going to jump in to uh, what I would call when the stars align. There are certain times when the stars align where things start operating in a way that you're like, oh, what the heck is going on? I'm not used to things going this well. Uh, When is the other shoe going to drop kind of thing? Uh, And don't we expect that too? Are you that kind of person? If anything is ever going well at all, you're just like, well, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible soon. Oh, my goodness. It's the worst. I heard a story. I heard a story this past week, though, of a guy who was. <laughs> it, it just was crazy. He was. Uh, he was a high school student. He was hit by a train, on his way to school. He was walking to school. He was hit by a train, and the train threw him like something like 80 yards, and it was in all kinds of newspapers all over the internet, yada, yada, that this kid lived. And his story was, it, it was just the craziest thing to hear him say. He said that getting hit by that train was actually the best thing that had ever happened to him and that it had so drastically altered the course of his life in every possible way. It shifted everything in his life, and that he said, I know it sounds crazy, but if I had to do it all over again, I'd get hit by that train again. I'd get hit by the train again. What? He said, because, man, that changed everything. That was the pivotal moment that that shifted everything and it was just this goofy, weird thing that was an encouraging story to me uh, because I was like, what kind, who are we as kingdom people, the people of Jesus? We're the people who get by, hit by trains and we say, you know what, uh, if I had to do it again, I get hit by that train again because there is, there's purpose in the pain. There's progress and learning 
and growth and beautiful things that happen in the midst of the pain that couldn't possibly happen any other way. One of the, one of the weird things that's hard to, to talk about is the fact that uh, all of the most interesting people that I know in the world, all of the people who I would consider to be the most influential throughout history, all of the people who are the funniest, all of the people who are the ones who are the greatest storytellers, they, they, always, had, they always had rough lives. They had pain. And they always have this common story. And it's a story that I have as well that, I, that it was painful, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because it made me who I am now. Sometimes the stars align where you don't have to go through pain to experience that favor. And this is the thing that I'm praying for my kids all the time, that that's what I want for them. I don't want them to have an incredible story where they have to go through pain. I want them to be able to skip that part somehow. And I know that that's not completely possible. I know that they can't just skip the pain part and somehow get all of the good stuff, but I'm praying for them that they would have an incredible story that is uh, more to do with favor, blessing to blessing to blessing to blessing, one after another, linking them together when the stars align. We're heading into a season right now with Christmas that is all about the stars aligning. Matthew chapter 1, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I know we're kind of rocking through this quickly, but we're going to be breaking down this story over the next few weeks in different ways. Joseph, because he was a good man and was faithful to the law, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come that we may worship him. The Magi are the, the wise men as most of us know them. And their story is, uh, where, where's, um, uh, uh, where's, this, um, where's the Messiah? Where's, 
we saw a star that we've been looking for, we've been waiting for for a long time, and, and we were kind of expecting it. We, like, we had a party, there was, we had snacks, um, like, we had a blanket laid out, and we were just laid back and just kind of waiting for, because we were, we thought that maybe, maybe this might happen. From some of the research that we were doing, we thought that maybe this might happen. These are all, sorry, these are side stories I'm making up in my head. I'm, eight, I'm super ADHD with Bible reading too, so it takes a real long time, but I have lots of interesting side stories. Where were we? We've come to worship him. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Oh. All of Jerusalem with him as well. When he called them together, all the people of the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah who is to be born? They said, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. I, I think, I, so in my, I'm imagining Dr. Evil right now. So I may go worship him. He's not going to worship him. Spoiler. Where were we? I may worship him too. After, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Do you imagine if it was like the Sorry, wrong baby. <laughs> next, next, next hut over. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night, and he left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, that out of Egypt I called my son. What have been listed a few times through this story so far are prophecies that have been fulfilled, that are major prophecies. Prophecies being Old Testament, very old um, foreshadowings, very old, um, basically, word coming from the Lord that this thing was going to happen at some point. And it would be a sign of certain things that you'll know the Messiah, the Son of God. You'll know the, the Savior is here 
if these things happen, if this happens, this happens, this happens, but it was a whole bunch of them. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. He says, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead now. It's safe again. Verse 21, last paragraph. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. Here's another one that he would be called a Nazarene. That he'd be called a Nazarene. Now, I'm reading these couple chapters here because this is just one of the ones that I can't ever get past. Um, as a skeptical person, when I was researching and digging into Christianity and exploring whether or not it could be true, if it was valid or not, this was one of the big ones. Uh, and so if you are an atheist, if you are an agnostic, if you are uh, a skeptic, who needs proof, I'll tell you now to dig into the story of the birth of Jesus and begin to look at the number of prophecies that were fulfilled in a crazy way. Millions of Christians uh, in a few weeks are going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus. Uh, we're going to be doing that together. It's that time of year. And we not only celebrate his birth, but we rejoice in the fact that Jesus became human for us. So we celebrate that he was born, yes, but the big celebration is that he was born so that he could be human for us, that the Son of God could become one of us to deal, deal, with, to deal with our sin in a way that we just weren't ever going to be able to do, that he could die in our place. And so he's born so that he can defeat sin and he can defeat death on our behalf when he's raised from the dead. It's just, it's the craziest story in the world, isn't it? It's completely unbelievable, right? Unless it isn't. My daughter Ava is um, basically an old lady now. Um, <laughs> but um, several years back during Christmas, one of our more exciting years I remember that she was super excited was where we decided to um, have a three gift what, things got out of control. We had Christmas at eight different places, and certain grandparents were like trying to outdo each other by get, like wrapping up nine hundred dollar tree gifts and I'm like, no, <laughs> we just were surrounded by garbage. like thank you for all these gifts. We really love them. Anyways, when woe is me, too many presents for our kids. We made a, a, a challenge, though, where we said, okay, so you're going to get all this stuff from all these people. Um, after it's all over, you're just going to pick three things and get rid of everything else. 
And if you get rid, if, if you get rid of everything else and you just keep three things. But here's the cool thing is you can give the stuff away to whoever you want. And she was freaking jacked up about it. Like, yeah, I'm going to give it all away. I don't even need to keep the three. And she was just so excited that she was going to be able to. And that, that was just one of those years where it was really, because it was like the year before, it was the epitome of the opposite. It was like, I'm a pastor trying to be a good believer, trying to create good children who are like, yeah, see, they do what I'm trying to make all you people do too. See? And they're throwing like tantrums like, ah, I want more presents. Caviar. And it was just terrible. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, we got to change something. we got to change something big time. And so it's like, I, I just, I hope she gets it. I hope she really gets it. And it, it was just one of those years where I, I got to see somebody get it. And I got to see Jesus being the actual reason for the actual season. I'm like, man, this is cool. The events that are associated with the birth of Jesus fulfilled numerous Old Testament prophecies that were given centuries before anyone even had any idea what was going to be happening. In the book Matthew, uh, he introduces a common saying to us that he'll use over a dozen different times. In chapter 1, verse 22, he says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And we'll see this phrase, this, this sentence again. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Because a lot of times you'll read through the story and go, what the heck? Why did they do that? That's a U-tour. Why? That seems like a detour. Why? They had, this happened because that was a prophecy being fulfilled. So yeah, it may not have made sense like at the time to anyone, but it made sense to the Lord. And Matthew gets it, and so he knows it's an important thing to point out to us that some things were, were, were happening, some things were happening that, that people, um, people didn't even know about, that they were more than just cool coincidences, too. These were prophecies, and they needed to happen, and they would give us cause to celebrate, and they would give us confidence in believing. Matthew chapter 1, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was a prophecy that was told thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. And then it happens pretty exactly as they said. He says this in a reference to Jesus' birth, but this is, this is being talked about 700 years before Jesus comes around. Isaiah chapter 7 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And so just as it's foretold, this is a prophecy fulfilled. If you're a person with that gift of faith, we mentioned uh, last week that uh, this, this is enough for you. You're like, yep, see, I told you. Of course. Uh, don't you see? Don't you see that it's all true? For, for, for some others of us, we're like, I need like 856 more proofs this week in a row. And, and it's just hard for some of us. But thankfully, um, thankfully, God is patient. 
for those of us who are stubborn, right? Those of you who are like, eh, I don't think I'm ever going to, I don't really, I don't know if I can ever really buy into this all the way. Here's what I'll say. Um, man, God's got time for you. He can wait for you. This is where the story starts getting weird with the birth of Jesus. It happens in Bethlehem. It happens in uh, Bethlehem. After Jesus is born, the, the Magi, those wise men, they arrive in Jerusalem. This is where King Herod is, and, and he knows something's up. And we, don't, we can't get into the whole thing. We'll be out of time. But King Herod's worried about job security. He, King Herod, even though he's a bad guy, he seems to know that this baby that was born ain't just no regular baby, is it? And that this baby's going to cause problems for him. Because he's the king, and he's been calling himself God for the last several years. And so job security is at risk. And so he gathers all the chief priests, the scribes together, all the church professionals, all the calendar professionals, all the star professionals, and he finds out that there are prophecies that are pinpointing the birthplace of this so-called Messiah, that he's able to gather this group of people together and say, hey, where do you think that baby was born? And they can say, well, based on all the prophecies, if all of these things came true, if these things that, the, that were foretold came true, he should have been running around Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 says, But you, Bethlehem, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And King Herod sees this and he says, from ancient, from of old, who's that? This is a baby though. How, how can this baby be arriving with something that's from of old? I, we got to kill this baby. Where is it? Where's this baby? They say, well, if all, the, if all the prophecies have come true, it should be in Bethlehem, as crazy as that sounds. Where's Bethlehem? Is that a big city? Is that a big place to go to? Well, so we're in Cheviot right now. Uh, Cheviot is 1.17 square miles. Uh, as of last, last year, it was about 8,450 people in the city of Cheviot, 1.17 square miles. Some of you are familiar with how big this place is. Bethlehem is 0.2 square miles. Bethlehem was about 300 to 900 people, and uh, Cheviot is six times the size of Bethlehem. And so uh, this now famous town where Jesus was born this was not L.A., this was not Hollywood, this was not Rome, this was not, this was not, they're like, Bethlehem, where's that? Where is that? But you, Bethlehem, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you is going to come the one who is the ruler over all of Israel, the one whose origins are of old. And so out of this fear and paranoia, King Herod orders that all young boys in Bethlehem be killed. Uh, 
And by submitting this order, King Herod unknowingly, accidentally, doesn't mean to, but he assists in fulfilling three more prophecies by calling for that order to kill those babies. Prophecies that were foretold hundreds of years earlier. Jeremiah that said mothers would be weeping for their murdered sons. That Herod's ill intentions caused the angel to warn Joseph to take Jesus and Mary uh, to Egypt. That um, In Hosea it says, out of Egypt I have called my son. They're like, well how the heck would he be in Egypt? Well because Herod did some stupid crap and chased him around for a while. Uh, so that all the story would, would line up. They're like, how did this rabbit trail? How, it can't be. It can't be. It can't be that all of these things are a part of the same story with the same kid. Nazareth. That, and he's going to be called a Nazarene. How's he going to be called a Nazarene? Because that's where his boyhood home would be. That's where he grew up. The few of the prophecies that lead up to our Savior, Jesus, who we celebrate his birth in the next few weeks. Scientists, mathematicians have tried to quantify the odds of just eight of the prophecies. Um, There are eight famous prophecies that are mentioned during the birth story of Jesus that were fulfilled. And for just eight of these prophecies to be fulfilled, the odds of that they say are 1 in 10 to the 17th power, which is 100 quadrillion, which I don't really know what that means. 100 quadrillion. But they said that 100 quadrillion, if you had them and they were uh, quarters and you laid them on the state of Texas, it would be three feet thick for 100 quadrillion. And so if all those quarters across Texas, if you drew a happy face on one of them, like mixed it all in, say around like Beaumont or something, and you took a person who is blind and said, go pick one, that would be the odds of selecting the correct coin And that would be the odds of our Savior meeting all of these requirements in just eight of these prophecies. He fulfilled a lot more than eight, though. Multiple different prophets foretelling details of the exact, the where, the when, the how, and it's incredible. No other religion has ever had prophecies detailing the birth of their leader in this way. Um, This is something that's unique to Christianity, and it's one of the reasons I gave my life to Jesus. There's no prophecy foretelling of Muhammad being born for Islam. There's no prophecy foretelling Joseph Smith for the Mormons, because he made it up in the woods in the 1940s, after he looked in a hat for real... There's no prophecy foretelling David Koresh uh, with the Branch Davidians. There's no prophecy foretelling Siddhartha for the Buddhists. There's There's just no prophecy for any of them ever except for Jesus. And there are so many of these prophecies that it is unbelievable. 
the chances of the stars aligning and all these things falling into place exactly the way that they would is so impossible if Jesus wasn't the Savior, if he wasn't the Son of God, if he wasn't who he says he is. And it, it, but it, it wasn't a random chance. It wasn't a random chance. God had the address. Um, you know, if you, if you write a letter to someone, you have all the input, the country, the state, the city, the zip code, the street number, the name. Like, the more information you have, you can get, it, it can seem like randomly, but you're not picking one in a quadrillion, are you? He's heading exactly where he wants to go. It's not random chance. He's heading directly to the cross. It's not a lucky guess or anything like that. It's 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes to earth in this humble manner, the Savior of the world, because one day he knew that he was going to be returning, and it was going to be returning in judgment, and that he was not going to be appearing again as a helpless baby, but this time, the time he comes again will be a risen king, and he'll be a sovereign Lord, and he will be judge. This is another prophecy. And so the question is always, what's it going to be like for you when he returns? I'm not somebody who always says, um, uh, Jesus, come back this week. Like, I, I don't think that typically. But I... I do know that he says, be ready for whenever I get there. Just be ready. Like, have a bag packed. Be ready. Be ready. Because I could arrive at any, like a thief in the night. I could arrive at any moment. Be ready. And so are you going to be safe and secure? Because uh, when he shows back up, you have already been saved by his amazing, incredible grace or will you be one of the people who's trembling when he arrives? It's not a celebration. It's not exciting. It is fear and uh, terror because you're standing before a holy and righteous God and you realize that you might be condemned for something. I believe most of you in this room have given your lives to Jesus. And so that's not your story. But for some of you, you have not given, you're, you're afraid to give yourself over to him or you don't believe it all the way or you're, you're worried that um, your friend will think you're dumb. Guess what? Your friend is dumb. <laughs> Whatever it is, I will give you a money back guarantee. Because it's a terrible decision in a bunch of ways too. It's not easy. It's like you're making this decision. It's not, your life's going to be good now. I'm saying if you make this decision, it says um, you're, you're going to need to die. That, that you need to die. And that a new version of you needs to be raised to life. That the old you needs to go. And it's hard. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. If you're an unbeliever, all you have to do is turn and say, I turn from my sin. I give you my life, Jesus. I thank you for your forgiveness. I accept your grace. That's it. 
That's all you got to do. I'm going to pray, um, and I'm going to invite you guys to stand up. We don't normally do this, but I'd like to pray uh, a prayer of a benediction, a blessing over you. Um, I don't really know. What, I don't know what is going on. Um, I, I lost. I lost um, some. I felt like I lost some coins. Um, a long time, quite a few years ago, and I've looked for them all over our house, all over the place, because there was one coin that just bugged me like crazy that I lost, and it was this little tiny one. And um, I was cleaning some things up last night and getting ready to throw away. I have the collections. I'm trying to not be a hoarder. I had a box of pennies that were so dirty they weren't really spendable. I was saving it. I decided to get rid of this box. I dug through there and uh, I've, I found this coin that I've been missing for, for years. Um, it's from 80 years before Jesus was born. It's over 2,000 years old. It's a Roman denarius. And... And I found it, and as soon as I found it, I was like, what? okay, what, the, or what, other, what other lost stuff is going to be returning to people um, that you thought was gone and is going to be showing up right before you throw away something else? There, there's something going on with favor. So let's press into that. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us here uh, that you would just continue to pour out your mercy, pour out your blessing, pour out your goodness, pour out your favor on us, Lord, that you would be returning lost things to their owners. Yeah, that you, you would show up and you would be um, changing the hearts of uh, those of us in this room who are not okay with good things happening to us. It's uncomfortable and we're always afraid that it's going to go bad. God, that you would, you would erase that from our minds and you would line us up with your kingdom, that you are a good father who gives good gifts to your children and that you just might want to spoil us. And that you just might want to give us favor. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. We pray that you would bless us uh, only if we're able to be good with it. And we can bless your heart. So however you find us faithful, whatever we're found faithful and trustworthy in God, we pray that you would give us as much as we can handle. More than we can handle. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Bless us. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Um, I will see you all soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.